power button's important, huh? <laughs> good morning. <laughs> All right, good morning. We're getting ready to start, so if you're out in the foyer, if you'll come on in and take a place. morning. Uh, Pastor Kent is going to be gone this morning, so uh, he has asked me to fill in for our study. So let's pray for him, and he's going to spend some time with his family. Uh, let's start out with prayer. Father God, as we come to you this morning, we want to praise you and thank you so very much for this day. We want to praise you and thank you so very much for this time and opportunity that we have to come together and to, to share your word. We ask you, Father, that you just open up our hearts and our minds and uh, pray, Father, that you continue to guide and direct our lives, guide and direct this church, and ask you, Father, for the safety of, of those that are traveling, and ask you, Lord, that you have already prepared the hearts of those that are in here for the study, and that you have already prepared the hearts of those for the service afterwards. We just want to praise you and thank you, Lord, in Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. So this morning, we are going to be, uh, it's going to be titled, In the Light of God's Salvation. And I'm going to be doing this study out of the NIV, which, in case you guys have a different version. <clears throat> and in our quarterly, it starts out with, Joshua, the Israelite's uh, leader, was near the end of his life as he read the book of the law and gave Israel a choice, worship God or worship idols. He called the people to remember God's faithfulness and live in the light of his salvation. Like the Israelites, we too are called to live in the light of God's salvation by worshiping God in sincerity and truth, by putting, our, putting away our idols and following him in obedience. The section we're going to study this morning is going to be in Joshua chapter 24. It's going to be verses 14 through 28. It says, Now therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord and serve our other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt for the, <clears throat> from the house of bondage 
who did these great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that, our, that we went and among all the people throughout whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, even the Amorites who dwelt in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done you good. And the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. So Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. Now, therefore, he said, put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, this, the Lord our God, we will serve and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made for them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. Then Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God and he took a large stone and set it up, on, set it up there under the oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness to us for it has heard all the words of the Lord which he spoke to us. It shall therefore be a witness to a, be a witness to you, lest you deny your God. So Joshua let the people depart, each to his own inheritance. There was a 19th century philosopher, and he said, purity of heart is to think one thing. And what he meant by this is that it means that we should think one thing and not think, while we're thinking of the one thing, constantly thinking of something that contradicts that. And you think, well, yeah, that's easy. But how many times have we done something where we have taken a thought and we have said something like, uh, I don't know, we feel like somebody is wrong just in some way. And we said, oh, no, that's okay. But then in the back of our mind, we're turning around and we're saying, yeah, but, 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 but. That is not the purity of heart. That's what he's talking about. Don't have those contradictory thoughts at the same time as while you're having, you know, whatever your thoughts or your actions are at that time. And Joshua is a great example of having a wholehearted devotion. At the end of his life, Joshua was about 110 years old, the scripture tells us. And he was still calling the Israelites to choose to follow God. Not just to choose God, but to choose to follow God. And we're going to look at that. There are some... Let me ask you guys something. What are some of the actions that contradict what we say we believe as Christians? Are there things that you see Christians say that we believe and then their actions contradict it? We don't pray, okay? We constantly, as Christians, tell people we need to pray, right? If you have a problem, you should pray for it. Anything in life or your decisions, we should be praying for it, right? We 
but then we don't turn it around and practice it always, right? Sorry. We worry while we say we trust the Lord. That's a big one, right? How often do we say, I trust in God, I trust in what he says, I trust in what he, what he does, and if you ask me, I trust in what this word says, and then we worry about the things that life or, you know, the circumstances that we face. Absolutely, that's another one. Any others you can think of? So what Sam was saying is that we face, uh, like, like Peter did, you know, we face these storms and we, we say we trust in God, we step out in faith, we're ready to go, and then all of a sudden we get scared. We get scared and we start doubting it. Or, ah, you know, did God really say that? We say how important it is to go to church. We say how important it is to fellowship with believers. And then sometimes we don't. Yes, ma'am. That is a big one, isn't it? So when you're looking for guidance and when you're looking for uh, someone, when you're facing trials, you know, who do you turn to? Are you turning to the word of God? Are you turning to the scripture? Are you turning to fellow believers? Or are you turning to someone that'll take your side? That is definitely a big one. What's that? Forgiveness. Forgiveness is a huge one. Um, you know, we, t we teach about how, how Christ died on the cross for our sins. And we teach about how important it is to forgive one another. But truthfully, it is sometimes hard to forgive, isn't it? And it's hard to forgive because of what is in here. Because I got hurt. And so in order for me to forgive, it's one of those things where you have to be able to let go of that. Absolutely. So today, uh, throughout the, the verses that we looked at, we're going to be looking at basically three things that Joshua called the Israelites to do that really apply directly to our lives and to our walk. The first of those is to worship the Lord in sincerity and in truth. The second one is going to be to put away idols. And the third one is going to be commit to obedience as a sign of our salvation. So let's start out with worshiping the Lord in sincerity and truth. And uh, I got to tell you, our quarterly just, they hit it on the head with this one. It says, worship the Lord in sincerity and truth. And he's basing this off of Joshua chapter, uh, 24, verse 14. It says, as we come to the end of Joshua's life, let's look back and reflect on his journey. This was a man who was born a slave in Egypt who developed as a warrior under Moses. If you go back and find that in Exodus chapter 17. He followed Moses' instructions and successfully led the fight against Amalek. God had, uh, God had already chosen Joshua and was preparing Joshua for his future role when he told Moses, 
write this down on a scroll and as a reminder and recite it to Joshua. And in Exodus chapter 17, verse 14, he says, I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek under heaven. See, God continued developing Joshua under Moses. Joshua was one of the men who entered into the promised land in spite of Israel's enemies, and God would drive out before them. Only Joshua and Caleb returned with a report aligned with God's promise. Remember the song, 10 were bad, two were good? After a long life of faithfulness in leading Israel as Moses' successor, Joshua called on the people to live in the light of God's salvation. Verse 14. Therefore, fear the Lord and worship him in sincerity and in truth. Get rid of the gods of your fathers worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and worship Yahweh or worship the Lord, depending on the translation you're looking at. Can you imagine the Israelites listening to this and listening to Joshua? They might have thought, Joshua sounds a lot like Moses at the end of his life. And if that's the case, this isn't going to be good. The seriousness of the moment could not be escaped. There was no one to succeed Joshua. If the Israelites had thought they were in trouble when Moses died, they were likely quaking in the sand at the thought of Joshua passing off the scene, not having a leader lined up to guide them, intercede for them, or communicate with God on their behalf. In the words to the Israelite, Joshua gave instructions that got to the heart of worship. Fear the Lord, worship, or serve. And to do it in sincerity and in truth. And get rid of the gods of your fathers. Joshua's directives implored Israel to serve the Lord God who had saved them. Joshua is instructing the Israelites to worship in truth. See, the real challenge in worshiping in truth is to worship with integrity and honesty. Integrity and honesty. How many of us can actually say that when we say we're going to do something, we'll do it? How many people in your life do you know that you, if they say, I'm going to do this, they're going to do it, regardless of what it is. It's a challenging thing in our situation. It's a challenging thing in our society because it doesn't happen a lot. Is that maybe why James says not to say, I will do this or I will do that because circumstances come into place and uh, by making statements like that, you're stepping out into God's role instead of it may be part of it but I think the other part of that is the fact that a lot of times when we say we're going to do something we have good intentions of doing it we have the intention of doing it just for whatever reason we choose not to do it whether it be laziness whether it be circumstances whether it be you know whatever
The second thing that he tells us is to put away false gods. It's really interesting to me as we read this because we know that Joshua is talking to the Israelites, to believers. And if you notice, he says, uh, when he's talking there, he says, now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods of your fathers. He's telling them, put away, as in a present tense, meaning that they're still carrying those things with them. And it's hard to believe that everything that they've gone through and the way that God has continually worked in their life, that they would still be carrying these other gods with them. It sounds like that they're still holding on to those things or relying on those things. And those may be the gods from the Amorites. It may be God, it may be God's clear back from Abraham's time. And Joshua was saying that serving the Lord should be done in sincerity and without hypocrisy. How might a person today worship or pretend to worship? Wow, are we afraid to answer that question? How is it that a person might pretend to worship? See, one of the ways we might pretend to worship is that we just show up on Sunday morning. We could pretend to worship that way. We say we're going to worship, but really we just come to socialize or we come to hang out or we just come as a ritual. That's one of the ways that we can pretend to worship. Some of the other ways we might pretend to worship. Yes, ma'am. Exactly, you know, you might come to church on Sunday, but what do you do the rest of the week? What do you do when you walk out the doors? Right. Yes, ma'am. You know, it is so important, you know, when we worship God to realize he is not just the God of peace and joy. He is not just the God of forgiveness. No. There is another side of God, and that is the side of judgment. Yes, sir. Preparing to worship. That is a huge important thing. How many of us prepare to worship? That is something that I would that I would challenge you guys to look at in your life. How do you prepare to worship? Do you prepare for Sunday morning? Do you prepare by do you pray for the church? Do you pray for the pastor? Do you pray for the Sunday school teachers? Are you praying for them that God is guiding them to give your children or 
to give you the words that you need for that week? Or do we just wait until we get here and see what happens? What about in the decisions do we make? Do we prepare? Do we, do we take the time and prepare and pray for, to God to help us with those decisions? Or do we wait and make that decision and then pray for God to fix it? get into a study about communion and preparing your heart for communion but I, I don't have time for that this morning but you're absolutely right preparing your heart for communion is a huge thing it is a huge thing the next thing we're going to look at is look at verses 15 through 23 uh, we're, gonna, we're talking about putting away idols and we're going to start out in verse 15 and it says and if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land that you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua continues to instruct the Israelites as he acknowledges that serving the Lord is something that you have to make that choice. It's not something that can be coerced. It's not something that you can make somebody do. Serving the Lord is something that we have to make that choice. If we're letting somebody else make that choice for us, is that going to be pleasing to God? It's not. It must be something that we are given willingly. And so Joshua set before him a choice. Choose your God. If it seems evil or displeasing or too hard for you to serve the Lord, well then, choose your God. You know, there's a lot of folks out there that say, I don't choose God. I don't have a God. I'm my own person. I make my own decisions. Guess what? That same person has a God. They've just made themselves that God. If you go back and you look in Leviticus chapter 17 and Deuteronomy 32, you're going to see the struggles that the Israelites went through with letting go of their gods, letting go of their idols, letting go of, as we talked several weeks ago, letting go of their good luck charms. Joshua stopped and committed himself and his family to serve the Lord. And he gave everyone else the option, choose your God. they could serve the God of their choice. You guys have the same choice. Choose your God. 
See, there is no neutral choice in there. You can't say, I'm going to serve the God of Isaac. I'm not going to serve, the, I can serve the God of Israel or I can serve the false gods. You can't say, I'm going to serve both. Scripture teaches us that. If you go back and look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, it says, no one can serve two masters. He will love one and hate the other. Have you ever tried to work for two people? At some point, two people have different ideas. And they're both telling you what to do. Trying to serve two gods is just like that. Because you're going to be continually in conflict of one and the other. If you want to serve God, he's asking for your undivided loyalty. Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now I want to ask you guys something. How can our families today make that same type of commitment to say that me and my house will serve the Lord? Is there anybody in here that has made that commitment to say me and my house will serve the Lord? If you have, if you have my question to you is how do you do it? How do you, how do you make that commitment? Because the truth is, in our society, we have things bombarding us all the way around. Yes, sir. I think that when you look at the life of Joshua, like you had mentioned, where he started out in Egypt, obviously his parents made conscious decision not to compromise their belief system in Egypt. And then you see him as he continues on in his life. He never compromises, even in the face of basically 100% opposition, like when they went into the land to spy it out. He didn't waver. He, he could have. I mean, he could have capitulated to the, the popular thought that it's too impossible. And consistently, he's making these positive choices. And he's, those choices are, and then are reflected in this statement right here. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So it's a continuous choice that he makes, even when they suffered the defeat at Ai. Right away, he didn't blame the people. He took the responsibility on himself for what happened. And God said, get up. Basically, you're not to blame here. You know, and he said, this is what we're going to do. And then, they, of course, they went through with Achan and that. But so you see this consistency, like what you're asking us. Have you made that commitment? It's a day-to-day -day commitment that we pass off to our heirs and to our children in what we do. And that's what you see consistently in the life of Joshua. Grew up in the same circumstances that everybody else in Israel did, but there was a difference in this man. Joshua's case, he had a father that stood up, obviously. He had Moses to look at also. 
so he had the example set before him to fear the Lord, to serve the Lord, to worship the Lord. Hmm. One of the important things that you're talking about there is, is that not discipleship? Mentorship. Absolutely. If you are going to make that kind of a bold statement, you're absolutely right. You've got to have the head of household. You have to have someone there that's going to say, this is our house, and this is what we believe in our house. The other thing is, yes, ma'am. So what you're saying is that the end result is that you're keeping your eyes on God and on his word. First thing is keep your eyes on the Lord and what's important. The rest of it is all in place. It's absolutely. You've got to keep your eyes on God. And that is, you know, that's one of the things we talked about um, last week. You know, looking past whatever it is to the Savior. You know, one of the other things is as being part of the head of the household, do you have that family time, family Bible time? Do you sit down with your family and read the word? One of the other ways that we can do that is to notice God in our everyday activities and circumstances. Whether they're good or bad, are you recognizing God in that circumstance? And you guys were right on. It's about making your choice. Every choice that we make, no matter how small or menial it seems, are you making the right choice? Because if we're making the right choice when they're small, the big decisions make it that much easier. Verse 16, it says, So the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord and serve other gods. For the Lord our God is who brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Who did these great signs in the sight and preserved us in the way that we went among the people through, uh, through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the people, even the Amorites who dwelt in the land, and we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Yeah, God was going to do it anyway because that was the promise that he had already made. But by them making poor decisions and making the wrong choices, it took a longer time to make that happen. Absolutely. 
it's really tough to read verse 19. Because it says, but Joshua said to the people, you cannot serve the Lord. For he is a holy God, he is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. Wow. Why would Joshua turn around and tell him that? After this whole time he's been telling him, serve the Lord. Trust in God. You read ahead. <laughs> Absolutely, you know, and in and in the next uh, uh, the next verse it says, you know, if you forsake the Lord, serve uh, and serve foreign gods, then He will turn and do you harm and consume you after He has done you good. See, Joshua knew the Israelites' sinful tendencies of the past, that they were continuing to carry along the idols to carry along their good luck charms, to carry along the gods. Serving the Lord is serious business. It's not something that we should do because it's a fad. It's not something that we should do because it just felt good. If we're going to really step out and we're really going to serve the Lord... It's a commitment. And commitments take effort. Serving the Lord is more than just saying, yes, we're going to serve the Lord. That's what they said right here. Well, far be it from us, because we will serve God. And Joshua turns around and he lays out the consequences to him. Okay, you said you're going to serve the God. He says, that's what you said. You said you're going to serve God, right? And then he lays out the consequences to him. and says, you know, if you don't, this is what's going to happen. And even though Joshua lays out all of the consequences the Israelites still turned around and said, we will serve God. Even after Joshua turns around and tells them, but you can't serve him. And the reason he's saying that is because they are still carrying all of these sins with them, all of the things, they're, uh, they're gods. And like I said, it's so funny because he puts that in the present tense of exactly what he's talking about. You have to get rid of these gods. He didn't say, those of you that got rid of your gods. He's continually telling them, you have to get rid of these false gods. Verse 22 and 23. It says, so Joshua said to the people, you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. Now, therefore, he said, Put away the foreign gods. There he says it again. Put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart to God. You think Joshua knew something was happening?
See, following God is a process in which God continually is to reveal to us and helps us to recognize what those false gods are in our lives. Now, you might sit there and say, you know what? I don't have any other gods in my life. Or maybe you're honest with yourself and you can say, you know what? I do have other gods in my life. Same thing, right? Peter, Peter stepped out, and he had good intentions, right? Peter said, no, God, no, Christ, I will not deny you. Over and over and over. Three times he told him that, right? And yet Christ turned around and told him, you will deny me, and you'll deny me three times. Not just once, but three times. See, that happens a lot, and even in our own Christian walk, is that we set out with the good intentions of it. But let's talk about some of, the, some of the false gods that we probably have in our own lives. Some of the things that we need to start recognizing and some of the things that we may need to start dealing with. What about greed? Wrong priorities. Prejudicism. Jealousy. See, all of these things are a false god. All of these things are things that we are putting before God. And really anything that gets in the way of you worshiping God, that is a false God. So I ask you guys again, what is getting in the way of your worship? What is getting in the way of you serving God? And it's really funny because if you go back and you look through scripture, Worship, serving God. Worship and serving. They're pretty much interchangeable. They continually work with one another. Continually. It does not satisfy God if we merely take those things and hide them. If we take those false gods that we have and that we hide them. Let me ask you this. Who are you hiding it from? Do you really think you're hiding it from God? God sees all, God knows all. So who are you hiding it from? See, we all have those things that are in our life that hold us back. We all have those things that tell us that I'm not good enough or I couldn't serve God in that way. really the only thing that's holding you back is you and you making that commitment and the third thing that we're going to look at this morning is we're going to talk about committing to obedience as a sign of our salvation verses 24 through 28 it says and the Lord said to Joshua the Lord our God we will serve and his voice 
we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made for them a, sh- a statute or a stone and the ordinance uh, and an ordinance in Shechem. Then Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, and he took a large stone and set up un- set it up under the oak that was there by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness to us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord, which he spoke to us. It shall therefore be a witness to you, lest you deny your God. Obedience. Committing to obedience to God. You know, there's a guy that um, that I had the opportunity to speak to, and this has been many years ago, but if you ever brought the word obedience to him, that quick he shut off because he continually believed that he could never be or would never be obedient to somebody else or to something else. Does that word scare you? Obedience? To being obedient to God? Serving God is one of the greatest things that we can do. It fulfills our life. It fulfills who we are. God made us in order that that is what we were to do, was to serve him. My question is, are you willing to go out and to serve him? You know, here Joshua says that, you know, he goes through, he's made all of these, all these things. He's asked the Israelites over and over and over, choose your God, choose your God. And they continually tell him, we are going to follow God. We will follow God. So then Joshua takes this stone and he sets it up as a memorial. Let me ask you guys this. What actions or what memorials do we have in our homes or in our churches that help to remind us of our calling to live in the light of God's salvation? Do you guys have certain things that remind you to serve God? Yes, ma'am. I'm sorry. A cross or a crucifix. Yeah. Absolutely. How many of us look to that cross and say, it's a reminder to me to serve God? You know, the interesting thing about the cross is it is not just something that believers look at to remind them. Because, ask any saved person out there what the cross means. Because they always know that if they need help somewhere, that that is a place to go also. What other memorials do we have? 
the word of God. this day we all got that we all have to make that choice who are you going to serve one of the dangerous things about having memorials is the same thing we have talked about week after week till over the last few weeks is taking that memorial the thing that is set up there to look at to remind us to serve God and turning that something into that God we talked about that with the golden calf we talked about that with the brazen serpent there are so many things throughout our life that were meant for good things that we that were set there because that was to remind us to serve god to serve him wholeheartedly the pool at Bathsheba. they started to rely on that pool the lame guy that was laying there looked right past Christ, right past his Savior, and said, well, I have no way to get there. And Christ had asked him, do you want to be healed? Don't let your memorials become your gods. And I am sure that each of us, or at least the majority of us, has something in our home, in our possession, that we have that is to remind us to serve God. It may be a little wall plaque. It may be a cross. The Israelites' responsibility of their covenant with God alone. Because Joshua would soon die. The Israelites had to take that responsibility. We too have to bear that responsibility. Although God is not leading us to the promised land, God is leading us to our internal inheritance. This week, I want to challenge you. Make the choice as Joshua did. Verse 24, or chapter 24, verse 15. Choose who you will serve. Choose your God. And if you decide to choose that you are going to serve the God of Israel, 
Make that choice, but don't make it lightly. Be ready to commit to it. And if you want to put something down to remind you of that choice, go to that verse. Put your initials in the date. Because you were a witness against yourself about making that choice. You have chosen to serve the Lord. Or, if you think that's too difficult, then you choose what God you're going to serve. Let's pray. Father God, as we come to you this morning, we just praise you and thank you so very much for this time. We ask you, Lord, that you continue to watch over and guide and direct this church and guide and direct our walk. We ask you, Father God, that you lay upon our hearts that all of the things that you continue to do and the way you continue to change lives. We ask you, Father, that you just bless us, bless the services this afternoon. And we just pray, Father, that, that you just help us to, to get out of the way of ourselves. We ask you, Lord, that we are able to recognize all of the things that you do. Father God, we just praise you and thank you. In Jesus' precious name, amen.